Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. Oh no. I'm new to the panda timeline here, so I that one's gonna have to sit with me. I'm gonna have to pray on that one. I know it's available, but why? There's so many other things available. First of all, it's artisanal, okay? I don't wanna hear it. So is cheese, but I don't buy it every day. Why are you watching Twilight? <laughs> What's wrong with you? How is it my fault? No, please, not Tom Hanks. He's the best of us. Handsome Drew did as well. Are you Drew with a U? I'm Drew with a U. Why would oh, he be Drew with a U? Obviously, oh, he's no. Drew with a U. Okay, my handsome Drew. <laughs> I don't spell my name with a U. What are you talking about? As the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say... Oh, I was not listening. <laughs> that is very apparent to everyone on the podcast that you were not listening. Why? I don't know why you have to... I didn't trample on your panda. This is not the podcast you deserve. So this episode of Not the Podcast You Deserve was supposed to be about Squid Game, but we got really wrapped up in talking about Eternals in the last episode, and we decided we should probably just carry that over instead. For context in this episode, please see episode 37 at the 4 minute and 40 second mark. Thanks for listening. This is not the podcast you deserve. And ye beware, there are spoilers ahead. Now, I have not watched a lot of movies this week, but I do have one that I wanted to circle back to, and that's The Eternals. Now, I heard heard you watched it. I did. Please tell us that we're wrong. I will, in fact, and I, you know... I feel bad fighting you on this, even though you are both very wrong. Um, <laughs> because y'all did influence my viewing of the movie. Y'all got to watch it and then tell me what to expect. And then based on what you told me to expect, I quite enjoyed it. And this may be one of those mismatched expectations uh, or what have you. And I think part of what plays into those expectations are, I don't know, 20 years of Marvel movies coming out. <laughs> and I, I think we've been in, I don't know if it's a drought, but we, it's just mostly been Marvel TV shows. And then we had Black Widow, which was supposed to come out six years ago, but uh, came out <laughs> earlier this year. Um, and so you only get to compare this movie to Endgame and Infinity War and like the great ones you remember but I would still put Eternals in the top half of the, what, 24 really? films that have come out. I'm not saying it's the top five. I mean, nothing's going to replace it, Infinity War or, or Endgame. Was it, it made 21 out of 26 for me. 21 out of 26. So what, mm-hmm. now Thor 2 and, <laughs> and you put Incredible Hulk on that list? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. okay. absolutely. All right. It still counts. Yeah. Well, so. Ant-Man 2. Oh, mm-hmm. Ant-Man 2 is the one right above for me. So. Oh, okay. Move. Should I we do put, a Marvel ranking episode sometime soon? Talk about, yeah, I love it. I'm I, hear, I it. hear a good list coming on. <laughs> Speaking of list, this movie introduces roughly 12 new characters and also the Celestials, which I know have been teased at, but has Marvel ever really gone into the lore of those? Not necessarily the lore, but uh, Ego was a Celestial. Okay. And then in that same franchise, there's an entire city in the head of a celestial, uh, which mm-hmm. is nowhere, no. yeah, which yeah, they go yeah, back yeah. to multiple times. So it's like, okay, so is the celestial supposed to be uh, Kurt, whatever his name is, size, or is it supposed to be big enough to hold an entire city? What's his name? Kurt Russell did it. Yeah, he, he's a, but planet. like he, he's a planet. That's right. Yeah, and he makes his form, his human. Yeah. He's a whole. He's a whole planet. And um, and here's here's my thing. They didn't jump into the celestials very much because like kind of hard to explain and nope they're kind of boring 
honestly. Yeah, for real. Um, but also, if you ever want to like really dive into the lore of a Marvel movie, go see it at Alamo Draft House and show up 30 minutes early because they oh, really? super cut all of the stuff together. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so like when I saw the Eternals at Alamo Draft House, they were like, here's the Celestials. Here's every mention of the Celestial in a Marvel movie to date. Oh, cool, and yeah. Here's the backstory of the comics and stuff like that. It was, it was really uh, entertaining. Whenever I don't know something about a comic, I always go to Ryan Airy, who is on YouTube, uh, and he's for Screen Crush, I believe. He's fantastic. If you're ever like, I would like to know more about this comic book or a story, or like I just saw a trailer or a movie. So I wish someone would tell me all the cool things that happened and the Easter eggs in them. He does those videos. He's fantastic. I've DM'd him over 35 times and tweeted at him at least 15 times. I'm trying to get him on the podcast real hard. Cross your fingers. Wow. Hoping. He's my hero. He's great. I love that. I will fanboy super hard about the guy who does YouTube videos about Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will agree with you that the Celestials as a whole are not uh, the most interesting thing, but I do think they do them very well in this movie in that they bring them up a few times and then make it kind of more of a, I don't know, MacGuffin would be the right word for it, mm-hmm. but uh, like a, a switcheroo on like, well, not really. It's just, it causes all the action. So yeah, MacGuffin. Um, but like they try to do Celestials and they make them like a god character, which is also not very interesting. That's what makes Superman not interesting at all. And then they right. bring in a not as powerful Superman uh, to be Icarus. But they make, they introduce eight or nine or however many new Eternals there are as totally new characters that they haven't ever talked about. And then they have to explain away why we've never seen them show up, which is, oh, we didn't want to get involved, which I think that, I think those are the two biggest weaknesses of the movie are Celestials, which are a good, important lore to power in the Marvel Universe, but never fun to really talk about the ramifications of dealing with like God characters, i.e. the Superman effect. And then nine super powerful characters that have never once affected any of the universe-ending storylines that happened in the first 24 uh, movies. But I thought they did a great job creating eight very balanced characters and the times they weren't balanced they like played into the story with Icarus being stronger than the rest of them and I was thoroughly I I love a good team-up movie like if you give Mm -hmm. me a team of characters a cast of characters and they're all incredibly beautiful people they're fun to look at and I couldn't figure out which one I liked the most like I loved the brawny Asian guy with Gilgamesh Gilgamesh, yes, mm-hmm. he was yeah. incredible. At one point, he was my favorite. Uh, yeah. At one point, you mentioned the speedster being the only speedster you've ever liked. She was yeah. phenomenal. She was and great. She didn't have a, a speaking line. She was she was deaf and uh, or mute, um, mm-hmm. and she sign languaged. And I thought it was super cool. Like a, a speedster who sign languages, I would have never put two and two together, but Marvel did, and it works. Um, and then another point, I really liked Icarus. Another point, I really liked uh angelino jolie like oh my gosh she did great and Mm -hmm. phenomenal and i really liked the you mentioned the deviant beast being kind of lame and i liked the sure he sure was (laughs) (laughs) well okay i i like the idea of him sucking out the eternal's powers and then growing stronger. I don't know why he morphed into a humanoid yeah as he went along boo dragon ball z of evolution i think the that's a really good villain for these uh characters who turn out to be 
kind of robots with almost without a purpose and to yeah. have another being that was hunted and almost without a purpose to be hunting them down and stealing their life to give him life and eventually ended up having the same goal and the fact that their storylines interconnect and weave in at the end i think is super cool do you all know who played that villain the three lines he had do you know who did that drew you're okay. drew crawford you're uh Alan your Skarsgård theory is uh, it reigns supreme Shut again. Up. I got another Skarsgård who played There's this. always a Skarsgård. Yeah. Uh, uh, Drew Allen, I have three questions for you. Yes. One, did it not bother you that that the main character, uh, Cersei, is that her name? Yep, yeah, Cersei, uh, was able to do this magical power that she'd never had been able to do before at the exact moment she needed to do it. And then was able to give Sprite her humanity back to her after they had done the thing they'd never done before. Two, did Kumail, oh man, I'm going to mess up his name. Najee. My favorite character, Kumail. Yeah, thank you. Uh, him leaving in the third act, did that not ruin his character for you? And then three, did you like this movie or did you just not hate this movie like we did? Okay, great. Uh, first, uh, the her being able to do something she'd never done, you're talking about turning something into something else? Yeah, because she did it that one time in the forest. She's like, wow, I've been alive for 7,000 years. I've never been able to do this. Okay. And then at the exact moment at the end, she's like, oh, I can't do it. Okay, I'm going to try it anyways. And then she does it. Like, okay. Yeah, because they, they, well, they do the unity thing, which I also think is one of the weaker parts of the movie. I don't, I don't yeah. like Unibrain. Uh, I think that's a pretty <laughs> lame plot point. Uh, but they needed a way to superpower her up, which, I mean, maybe just having her in contact with a celestial would have superpowered her up. I don't know. Just make that the thing. Um, it didn't upset me that she turns her uh, sprite back into human uh, form yeah. because she has the power of a celestial for a short time. I mean, kind of a cop out. That's pretty weak. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Not the good, not the best writing in the or, world. It's like she's still got the power of celestials, or so we're told. We don't know. No one knows. Like for as long as we we're need making to, it all up. Yeah. And, then she, and then she won't have it anymore. In right. case like when you are worried about her using that later. Um, but the Kumail Nagiani, I think, is a really good point, both for you and for the movie, because yes, the movie definitely suffers by not having the hilarious Kumail Nagiani mm -hmm. in the third act. But the whole time, the whole movie, his character is not for the team's plan. Like he is struggling with the idea of saving one planet. At the he's definitely a follower. Yeah, he's millions. definitely a follower. Mm -hmm. And so I think his his character leaving the movie is totally makes sense. Um, in the regular arc of like the reluctant superhero or the reluctant hero, like the third act is when they, with the first act, they've said, no, the second act, they've started the journey, but then mm -hmm. something happens. So they revert back to their self. The third act is when they say, screw it. I'm going to go be who I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so I was expecting him to show up in the final battle and like right. win it for them or whatever. When he didn't show up, I was like, okay, I can't tell if it's genius or if it's terrible right. that they've redone the hero's journey arc, you know, but I, I it made me not like him. So maybe okay. it was a, is a, arc for like a reason i guess maybe that's what yes. everybody does for a reason i like these movies because i think the main thing i liked about this movie is it introduces eight characters and it does something different with them and it's able yeah. to do that because these are pretty boilerplate characters this is a strong guy this is a fast one this is a superman this is a laser hands one <laughs> you know um, classic laser hands <laughs> yeah uh but like all together, they're not very interesting, but what they do with them, I think as a whole and their dynamics and how they work together and their stories are woven, I think is very interesting. And to answer your third 
question. I did like the movie, uh, not just didn't hate it. Um, but in response to your response to my response to your second question, which is uh, you asked Kumail Najani leaving in the third act, was that bad? Mm -hmm. I liked it because of his character. And then you said, uh, I wasn't sure if he's the reluctant hero and his storyline changed. Would it make it better if he becomes a villain in a future Marvel movie? Because I think that's a really good setup, both for yeah. that or for like a Guardians of the Galaxy level hero. That's kind of what they do with Baron Mordo, uh, Baron Modo in uh, Doctor Strange, right? right he does yeah. it, but he doesn't want to do it. And at the end, he goes off and he's going to be the bad guy. Yeah. This might be a stroke of genius by Chloe Zhao or however you say her name uh, and the Marvel team. Like maybe their, mm -hmm. maybe their thought process was like, let's deconstruct the hero's journey, the hero's arc, or the way that, that heroes have always been told. And if so, then I'm looking forward to see where it goes. Uh, but that was just really, like on my drive home from the movie, I was sick in my stomach that he didn't show back up and like <laughs> help out at the end. Like it made me yeah. physically angry. Um, yeah. And, and that, but I, I guess the good thing with Marvel is it's never a closed book. There's always more. Mm -hmm. um, There's and so always post-credit scenes. Always post And then so <laughs> the thing, uh, yeah, with the One Direction guy, like whatever, being Harry the brother Styles. of Thanos, that Harry opens Styles. up some really weird stuff. Marvel is uh, finally Ali as Blade. That's yeah. the one. That's the one yeah. that matters. Yeah, that's gonna Mar be an awesome one. <laughs> Marvel figured out how to scoop up the only remaining few people who aren't Marvel fans by putting <laughs> yeah. Harry Styles in their MCU, and then uh, and I think Mahershala Ali is gonna open up the door like wide open to the rest of the world that hasn't gotten on Marvel yet. When they hear yeah. that he's doing a movie with Kit Harington as Blade and Black Knight, like I think everybody's yes. going to be in on Marvel after that. That's a heck of a point. How could you not? How could? Or just not? missing like Celine Dion and uh, uh, Michael Bublé. If we get Michael Bublé in the MCU, there's no the sky's the limit. <laughs> sky's the limit. I really liked when a movie introduces all of these characters or like a good cast, and then is not afraid to kill some off. Mm -hmm. Not afraid to let some be bad. Yeah. And, that's a great point. And these movies, that, I think that's what that movie did the best is that they introduced eight characters that are pretty well balanced. Yeah. Uh, they're all unique and then does unique stuff with them, which I was not expecting them to have that much. Eternals was a lot of things, but it wasn't copy and paste. Uh, yes. You know, it was not. Did, could you see some of the stuff coming from my way? Yes. But was it stuff that Marvel had repeatedly done over and over again? Like, also, no. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. We get this movie because we're in a post-Invincible world. We're in a post-The Boys yeah. world where yeah. we're not afraid to have superheroes that are actually mm -hmm. flawed and mm -hmm. then are actually expendable. Like, this movie could have been called The Expendables as much <laughs> as it was The Eternals. Um, and I love that. I, I, I can't tell if this is a, more a movie for a more mature Marvel audience or if it's still for both a mature audience and a kid's audience, because I think y'all mentioned last time, like the twist of Icarus being mm -hmm. the bad guy, you can see from a mile away. And I wasn't upset with that one because I mean, we're both, we run a movie podcast. I mean, we, we watch these semi-professionally or movies semi-professionally. So we're going to, we're going to see through most thinly veiled plot reveals. Um, but the, also my main point towards that is the movie wasn't about Icarus being the bad guy. It was about, yeah. uh, so the fact that that was a reveal that was easy to see, I don't think it ruined the movie to know that Icarus wasn't 
yeah, yeah they're good. And I think that's a really good point too, because when you said that, I was like, that doesn't make it a bad or that doesn't make it a bad movie. But my thing with that was like, it doesn't make it a good movie, and or or like it doesn't help it, you know, be a good movie. Yeah. And I think the Russo brothers talk about um, the difference between uh, suspense and surprise. And in each movie, you either have to build the suspense of the audience knows who the bad guy is and he's getting closer and closer and closer throughout the movie to going through with his plan or to killing, you know, whoever, or it's surprise where it's, you know, last second switch. It's uh, a freaking usual suspects name. I can't think of the top of my head. Kaiser Sose. Uh, Kaiser Sose. Thank you. And like, holy crap, didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. And like Eternals kind of tried to do both because mm-hmm. you know, the deviants, but then you forgot they're not really the bad guy. It flipped on you that celestials were the bad guy. And then also that Icarus was in on it the whole time. And like you saw, I saw the Celestials being bad and Icarus being bad mm. super early on. So it was like, this is lame. But I think that's also uh, kind of to Drew's point of like current movie audiences. We right. pretty much yeah. distrust any person who at the beginning of the movie is set up as I'm all powerful, but also good. And everyone's <laughs> like, well, that's probably not right. Or the, that's, I don't know if give them a softball like hey you're good and then they're like yeah or any type well, of handsome. hesitation <laughs> yeah any type of anything like we're we're post sixth sense we're we're post usual suspects post fight yeah. club like it's really hard to for a movie to to get that surprise like you're talking about nowadays and also still be a good movie like mm-hmm. a lot of movies sacrifice being a good movie to try to get a surprise at the end now yeah. you see me, I think is the biggest example for me of like That's that. Point, yeah. And now you see me, the whole movie, Mark Ruffalo is trying to sabotage the team. And spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, he's like, oh, wait, I was testing you the whole time. Or I'm running, you did this for me, but I was fighting yeah. you at every single instance, even when nobody was around to question whether or not I was loyal. Yeah. It's like, are they doing it for a gimmick or is it to make yes. the story better? You know, right. whereas like when you see a Christopher Nolan movie like Memento and Prestige that has that sort of stuff, yeah. like it's not a gimmick. It's to make this, it's to make the movie go, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Whereas like now you see me, it's a gimmick and it's to make you be like, oh, I'll have to watch that again now. They'll have, they'll get 12 more dollars out of me as I buy another <laughs> movie ticket. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think uh, to point, to, it probably is more gimmicky in the Eternals. The that the the most powerful one is not uh, a he's kind of a the bad one. Uh, but like we said, or I think my new take from talking with y'all on Eternals is that they give us eight new characters and they mm-hmm. do eight different things with all eight of those new characters. Or yeah. I, I don't know, I can't, I couldn't remember. There's like seven or six. I was trying to count at one point and then. The guy who controls minds popped up. It's like, oh yeah, he's in this movie again. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. But th- they do do something different with each one, and I think that's really impressive to do. Hmm. Uh, I Those are some good my, points. My one thing I try to take, you know, a little grain of salt, and when I watch this movie, is like, all right, I'm gonna have a lot of grace for the beginning of Phase Three for Marvel because mm. they're just getting their legs underneath them. This is Phase Four. It's at least four. I, I thought it was three. <clears throat> I'll Google anyway, it. Anyway, I, I could be off of my timeline. Every phase that came out, the first couple of movies, it seems like always kind of struggle to get their feet underneath them because there's always such a definitive big moment that ended right before. And now they have to kind of establish a new uh, right. story. And this one is even harder because 
the ending of the last phase was so perfect and so beautiful yeah. and so complete that it's like, oof, we got really nothing to stand on here. And it's like, try, you know, we had the Incredible Hulk early mm-hmm. on. We had Iron Man 2. We had uh, Thor 2. Like, we've had missteps along the way, but I'm excited yeah. to see where it goes. To your, to your point, that's a really good point. Is that the after? So the beginning of Phase Four was Black Widow. It's a character that everybody knew, everybody already loved, and a lot of fans have been calling for a solo movie for her for ten years. You know, uh, and then the second movie was Shang Chi, which has its niche of people that were very excited to see Shang Chi. You know, and it's a whole different demographic of people it relates to. Um, similar to having Brandon Rolf on the podcast, man, two or three, four weeks ago, whenever that was, he was talking about he loved Falcon the Winter Soldier. Because it was, as a young African-American man, it was seeing an African-American man become Captain America. And he really liked that point of view. You got to think Shang-Chi did the same thing for so many different Asian-Americans. So I think that those two kind of had an easier route than Eternals, which had a bunch of different people from a bunch of different backgrounds. But it wasn't one sole demographic or, you know, whatever, or one character that you knew literally anything about that was holding your hand and carrying you through the finish line and being like, Hey, you should watch it because of this. And this is why. Um, I think that's a phenomenal point because it, you do get all of those different characters who are totally different. And that just made me think of one thing, which I, I, I'm not sure if I know how to answer, um, but I would like to pose it to y'all too, which is, do you think that this would have been a better movie if it was not a Marvel movie? Like if these characters were their own comic series, not under DC or Marvel, but kind of an indie comic book, Maybe. I do think when you put, when you have to think about that, this movie just opens up the fact that Peter Parker is going to school and is in class as an algebra in New York City, and a giant monster just came out of the core of the earth. And there's now a marble head and arm of a monster, of a <laughs> yeah. celestial being that's just stuck yeah. in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean or wherever the hell that was. And Peter Parker is just in biology class. And Mark Ruffalo is doing, you know, whatever with She Hulk you know, down the street, like <laughs> that to me is like, okay. All right. But I think yeah. that that's a, that's a good point. If it had just been another movie, probably would have been pretty good. Eight superheroes you've never heard of because you've never yeah. heard of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to bring in any of the expectations of a Marvel movie. You don't have to explain so much of what the celestial is and how it plays into the universe. Yeah. And you don't also have to explain away why yeah, exactly. the Eternals weren't in the other storylines. Absolutely. Yep. That's a great point. Cause not to get super comic book nerd here, but Thanos, the reason that Thanos is like, Thanos looks like he looks, which is like Grimace and uh, Harry Styles does not look at all like Grimace, yet they're brothers is in the comics. Thanos has what's called the deviant gene and the Eternals oh. are there to kill deviants. So like we couldn't mess with Thanos because like, you know, he, he wasn't a deviant. Well, first off, yeah, he was. And oh, second, shoot. his plan was to take the entire population of the entire galaxy and chop it in half. So every Eternal in the whole galaxy should have thought, Thanos wants to snap everybody out. We got to go. It should have been a team of Harry Styles. All of One Direction should have been suited and booted up (laughs) to kill Thanos. And so it's like, man, if you're going to explain it away, like you don't have to like, you don't have to make it bulletproof, but like, yeah, help me out a little bit here. And not yeah, be like, try. I can shoot this down in bit. two seconds and I can make one One Direction reference. I can shoot <laughs> holes in that all day. So two. you didn't have to like load my gun with bullets. I did it for you. One bullet. 
two birds, one stone. Well played. I, I, I still think that, and this is probably me just being a product of an MCU baby, right? Where I watched uh, solo movie, solo movie, solo movie, solo movie, cool team up movie. Mm-hmm. I would have loved if the Eternals introduced maybe the whole team or yeah. like introduced the one character them, and then followed one or two of them mm. on an adventure. And then maybe at the end teased, we found a couple of them. And then Eternals 2 was going to be the whole band getting back together or something along those lines. But it was just so many characters and so much history to try to digest at one point that the pacing felt, I don't know, horrible uh, in a word. And it was really, it it felt like they didn't do any of these characters that could have been or are pretty cool. They didn't get any real justice uh, because I would have loved to see more of them individually i was thinking if we'd gotten if we had known who salma hayek's character ajak is that her name i believe yes i was thinking if we'd gotten ajak a a movie with ajak or maybe a movie with circe or maybe both Mm -hmm. of them to understand what makes them different than every other eternal before them yeah then i think i would have been able to buy the the whole third act a little bit more but i think you're dead on it's kind of the just the snyder cut the justice league problem of you kind of know who these people are, but you really don't. And now we're going to throw them all in together and you're just going to have to take. Now, the one thing I did like about Eternals that I don't think it's getting enough credit for is the mythology that it does produce. I think it's pretty good. Um, it's uh, it's very Zack, Sny- Zack Snyder-esque of like these these heroes are no longer just things you'd read on a comic book page they're the the lore of they're the myth they're the legends that you grew up reading about and you can see how they uh could have you know been the gilgamesh and cersei yeah. and ajak and all them they were what you were reading in school about and so that makes it a cool tie-in which i don't think the the most the mcu's done with that thus far is show you like captain america looking at a comic book of Captain America and being like, this never happened. Or like you see the, see the crappy cartoon and be like, Oh, these kids don't even know the truth. And like, that's kind of the only wink, wink, nod, nod mm-hmm. you get. Whereas Eternals did kind of open that door to, you know, this is, the, you know, these characters, you just don't know that you know these characters. Yeah. And it, it didn't go yeah. all the way for me. Although yeah. they did mention Batman and Superman, which <laughs> makes me think that Chloe Zhao does did not watch the MCU or or maybe she was confused or maybe it was just a, just a, Hey, we can make fun of the fact that they're competing. Those are super comic book uh, companies. I don't know. Yeah. You don't need to have questions. You don't need to have comic book heroes in your movies that are a shared universe of actual superheroes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. They could have referenced so many different things that were in their, (laughs) their, their uh, catalog. No, I I love the idea that MCU is like, yeah, we're securing ourselves to acknowledge that DC is a fake comic book in our universe of real superheroes. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Throwing the gauntlet down. I, I think you make a phenomenal point, Kyle. And I think almost to the detriment of this movie, and to the detriment of Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, this movie deals more uh, with these characters as mythos, as yeah. almost religious figures, yeah. which is a cool concept to think about, but I don't think it's what fans of these movies are coming to see. Like we're coming to see superheroes and comic book storylines. And yes, there are easy, not easy tie-ins, but there are similarities to religious figures in our world today, 
But the moment you start trying to make these characters gods, you mm. immediately lose all of the relatability these characters have. And then you have a bunch of uh, difficulties, uh, not only with like, uh, you know, a Christian coming to watch this movie and being like, those aren't my gods or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 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 Islamic person do the same thing. You know, you have all of these, you have that along with, I don't want to watch a movie about Gilgamesh. You know, if I want to do that, I would read Beowulf or whatever. Yeah. I, I want to see. Or I don't uh, know, Gilgamesh, the book. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't read books. So yeah, I think, I think that's to this movie's detriment. And also to the Zack Snyder Justice League cut as well. I think those movies take, they take some of the fun out of it by trying to add too much mythos, too much religion, too much. But I think that's a really good point. Had Eternals been a DC movie, you in in Man of Steel, it opens up with this crazy sci-fi world that Superman's but Krypton looks like it's out of Star Trek or Star Wars, you know, and you'd never seen anything like that in a superhero movie before. Um, and then and then he's got the freaking Zod alien group that destroys the whole planet. And then and then you get Wonder Woman's backstory. Um, you get a little bit of Aquaman's backstory, and then you see Atlantis. Uh, I can't think of Thymuscura. Is that the name of Wonder Woman's home planet or home? Yeah, whatever. Themyscira. Themyscira. Okay, so, but like in DC movies, you're used to that crazy line of mythos. And in Marvel, you're used to, oh, this guy took some steroids or this guy's really <laughs> smart and figured out some stuff, you know? That's yeah. a really good point. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah. I, I, I like this movie. I like this movie that it has that aspect to it. I don't like that aspect in my Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I think when you try to put it in the nutshell of Peter Parker is also in science class right now, I think that does kind of, and Doctor Strange is looking at all of the threats in all of the universes and all of the realities, but he missed the celestial that's sitting in the Earth's core, like like right now, <laughs> you know? Like it was already a big enough lapse in logic that he didn't see Thanos coming. His yeah. job is to protect the nine realms. And now you're telling me there was a celestial in the Earth's core this whole time that we didn't know about? He's not very good at his job. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I, and honestly, this may be a conversation for a, a different time, but uh, I think like this whole MCU, podcast has been <laughs> the, the MCU just layering every story on top of each other so hard. Uh, eventually, there's going to have to be a hard reset yeah. because yeah. you can't keep explaining. Uh, I think, Drew, you mentioned this earlier there were 24 world ending events that happened earlier that the celestials like, or that the Eternals just didn't get involved in. Uh, so yeah. having to step around that, it, you know, is risky logic to say the least. And it's only going to get worse from here. So I think if I may go into conspiracy theory for you for just a hot second, I think the, uh, the Spider-Man no way home trailer dropped today. Um, and I think, um, here's my hope. My hope is that Marvel realizes we cannot keep this up. So they introduced the multiverse for yeah. a multitude of reasons. One of those being, okay, we're going to bring in Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man back uh, in Spider-Man No Way Home and Toby Maguire too, maybe. And, but whatever, we're, we're going to bring him back solely so we can set up the Sony universe. Because you, you think it's complicated now. They're trying to tie in Venom and Morbius and uh, uh, Craven the Hunter, who is played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, who was already oh. Quicksilver in the MCU. Yeah. yeah. So like they're 
like it's it's you're right it's not getting better it's getting way worse especially and there's another quicksilver that do. was already acknowledged yes. in wandavision and <laughs> and then and he was in the uh, fox x-men movies so what i'm hoping is what i'm like, crossing my fingers hoping to die that in this spider-man no way home they're truly introducing the multiverse and they're using this to kick the sony crap all the way out of the mcu but also with doctor strange and the multiverse of madness bring in at least show at least show you the x-men and stuff in the fantastic four and be like hey these guys were here okay they're gone now but then what i hope the mcu does is they'll show you the beginning title card of a movie will be this is earth 616 and that'll be tom holland nice. peter parker doing whatever and then the next one is you know earth 358 and that's where you get miles morales as spider-man I think that's what they're going to have to do, which is what the comics book, comic books did 80 years ago. I think that's yeah. what they're going to have to do because it's, it is going to get, if they're going to keep making these grand movies on these huge scales, you're going to have to get different universes or Kevin Feige deserves all the money he's making. Who knows? Uh, I think that's a phenomenal point. And that music playing in the background means I think this episode is wrapping up. Guys, well, how much fun was that? Spontaneous podcast. <laughs> if you're still listening to this podcast, write in. Do you agree with Kyle's prediction? Do you have your own predictions for the future of the MCU uh, universe? Or do you think that that's way too difficult to keep track of and you would wish that they don't bring in any multiverse? Or did you but, like Eternals? <laughs> yeah. Like what at 33.33 repeating percent of our podcast did. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to answer any of those questions, please write in at NTPYD Podcast on Twitter. Or write us an email at ntpydpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to answer those questions on the air, if at all possible. Thank you so much for joining us. I've been Drew Allen. With me, as always, has been Drew Crawford and Kyle Cox. Thank you. all